Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Association Leadership Radio. Now, here's your host. Lee Cantor here, another episode of Association Leadership Radio, and this is going to be a good one. Today on the show, we have Jason Reap with the Employers Association. Welcome, Jason. Well, thank you, Lee. Glad to be here. I am so excited to learn what you're up to. Tell us a little bit about the Employers Association. How are you serving folks? Yeah, so so we're an association with about, we serve about 400 members, and our members are our businesses. So they may range from, from very small. We actually have a few of our members who are just a couple people. And then we have some of our members who are thousands and thousands. Our average, though, is probably around a, 100, 150 employees. And then we, we provide support to, obviously, our members. But our responsibility really is to the business community as a whole, in the sense that uh, we really want to help employers with those people-related aspects of, of a business. So the human resources uh, component and and then we, you know, we have a number of, of, of ways that we attempt uh, to achieve that. We, we do a lot of research. So today we just released the areas. We're in West Michigan. So the area's largest wage and salary survey that we do on an annual basis. And we do a number of other surveys to really provide data so that those businesses can, can make good uh, strategic decisions in, um, in their various decision makings that they're making for around people, but also, you know, st- lots of strategy decisions. We do, we do a lot of development. Uh, leadership development tends to be one of the, the largest areas. Obviously, we develop a lot of human resource professionals, but we also have a number of other uh, soft skills and hard skills, uh, trainings that we offer, offer coaching, team building, all sorts of things like that. We do a number of projects with our members and then feed that some of those uh, uh, trends that we tend to see back to our to the community. So we do a lot of the same. Right now, what's really big, employee engagement surveys and a lot of compensation work where uh, organizations are really reevaluating their comp structures, uh, setting them up if they don't really have a good structure. But with engagement, employee engagement, obviously, they're trying to keep their employees trying to attract employees. We have a number of other resources, networking opportunities. We do a number of roundtables. We have about five HR roundtables around the, around the area that we serve. We have a, a diversity, equity, inclusion roundtable, a safety roundtable, CEO roundtable, young professionals. So we have just a number of ways in which we're trying to develop those professionals within their organizations so they can better serve the organizations, strengthen those organizations so we ultimately can strengthen the business community. So what is the origin story for this association? What, how did this uh, come about? You know, it, uh, so there are a few things that, so we are, we are, there are other employer associations around the country and we all have very similar stories where there were employers who were working to, address challenges and concerns, usually with regard to uh, employment issues, that they felt like they could do better collaborating with one another versus, and even some of that was purchasing and things like that, but to be able to work together to uh, really strengthen those 
um, those businesses and the needs that they had. And they all said, well, we all have these same kinds of needs, whether it's labor, you know, negotiations or, or different challenges. Like I said, purchasing might be some of the pieces. So there, you know, we, we had a, a, in Grand Rapids area where we are, uh, you know, we had a lot of furniture manufacturers out here who that most of them are who originally kind of banded together to create the initial uh, what became the, the Employers Association. Now, um, at that time, it sounds that it was very collaborative, that, that people were open to sharing. And it wasn't one of these situations where they were looking at this information as this is our secret sauce and we don't want anybody else to know it. Are you finding that, that uh, this group is still that way with that mindset of sharing? Yeah, and, and I wouldn't necessarily say that all, everyone's always been 100% open, right? So there's opportunities for, for where people are going to collaborate. And I'm sure that was long ago, you know, that uh, that those folks kind of came together. It was, you know, 1939, right? So it was long before my time to uh, kind of do that. But to answer your question about kind of current day, absolutely. I mean, we have these roundtables uh, where, where folks are going to say, here's some of the things that we would like to do. Are any of you doing this? Or what have you seen results, you know, great results from these particular pieces? And in addition, you know, here are some of the challenges we're having and, you know, what are some techniques to, to address these those challenges? So in, in those um, particular areas, absolutely people are are willing to share because they know it's this give and take uh, that, you know, I, I have to come in uh, with, the ability to be open and honest about what's going on. And then other people are doing the same. And so then we all can grow and uh, develop and, and learn. And then when we talk about these surveys that we do, people are very um, willing to share because it's all done, you know, through a third party, through us. Uh, we don't report out any specific information anybody shares. We don't um, report some data if we don't have, you know, there's certain criteria, three you know, for, for certain, some results, three companies have to have participated or five companies or 10 companies have to have answered a particular question. So you can't try to identify who, which companies might have said what or anything like that. So because we take such great care in, in the data and in how we manage the conversations, people are very, very open. Organizations and those leaders in those organizations are very open to sharing as long as they feel like that this is benefiting them and their community, uh, they're very open to sharing that information. Now, you mentioned earlier uh, something about coaching. Now, in 1939, there probably wasn't a thing called coaching, at least uh, uh, formalized to the way that it is today. Are you seeing yeah. coaching as more and more of a kind of a must-have um, perk almost for folks rather than just something that at one point was just for the highest level of people or was kind of remedial for the person they were trying to fix because they were doing something yeah. wrong. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a good point that coaching uh, has really changed, right? So coaching back then probably was a little bit more like because I said so or you know what the consequences are, right? So that might have been a coaching conversation. Um, and, uh, so yeah, so there's, there, we still see both of these developmental opportunities to coach, right. Where we're going to help somebody maybe move to the next level in their career, uh, within the organization or somebody who might, uh, have an opportunity to kind of grow and develop, uh, a particular skill set so that they can become, you know, more valuable in the organization. But we also still see 
uh, organizations that are like, okay, we have someone who has some challenges and they really need some more one-on-one time to address their inappropriate behavior or their inability to manage time or whatever might be the case. I I would, though, to answer the other part of your question, I would say that we have absolutely seen an increase in, in what you might consider to be kind of that professional coaching, that developmental coaching, whether it's executive, obviously we do a lot of executive coaching, but we're doing coaching with even, you know, what, what folks might say is individual contributors, right? So they may not even have leadership roles, but they have an opportunity uh, to maybe move into other roles and coaching really offers, you know, much more one-on-one again, whether it's, whether it's one-on-one actually, which a lot of our coaching is, but we also do group coaching, um, but it but it provides that opportunity for for um, uh, employers to uh, provide that skill development and that awareness and that and that knowledge uh, to maybe a group of people in a way that's much more specific than a training, which may be great content, great skill development, but not unique to what their needs are. So if you're in manufacturing, that might look different than if you're in a nonprofit. Uh, which is going to be different than maybe in a tech uh, uh, environment, and so and we serve we serve all of those industries. I mean, we serve many many industries, healthcare, and on and on. Um, and so each of those, when when you pr- provide that coaching, you get to get very specific about you know the skills they're going to need to be successful in those environments. Now, are you seeing, there's a lot of lip service to uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Are you seeing uh, more and more companies really make some headway in this area and really um, have that representation throughout their organization, not just in certain kind of corridors? Yeah, you know, it's it's very um, humbling to see the number of employers who really want to uh, make a difference in this particular area in diversity, equity, and inclusion, you know, and, and some of them are, are, you know, savvy enough to be able to say, you know, if we do this well, then it, there's also business benefits to it. And then, and then there's really a, a large number of them who are like, we just want to make sure that we're also creating the environment that people want to come to every day. Right. And that they can, and that they can really excel and do their best work in every day. And they don't have to, deal with stuff. So I think, you know, uh, that there is a mixture of very strategic, uh, and I don't, when, I, when I'm describing that, I don't mean it to be like in some sort of manip- manipulative way. They, they're doing it for the right reasons, but they're saying there's other, there's other benefits. We could uh, do a better job of marketing to folks that maybe we haven't marketed to. We might be able to extend um, our recruitment areas to places that we haven't necessarily done that before. And so they're beginning to think about uh, DEI uh, efforts as a more strategic and not just necessarily the right thing to do. But I would say that there are more and more that we are working with that are not just doing the minimal amount because we also help people with compliance, right? So we can remind them, you know, what do you need to be doing? Like what's, what are the minimum amounts of equal employment opportunity that you need to be uh, working on and we write affirmative action plans so we can run demographic data on an, on an employer that that needs that kind of stuff so we can help them at that level this is usually uh, well beyond 
you know, just kind of the basics and the, and the, and the minimal that they need to be doing. Yeah. It's amazing to me in this day and age where there's such a, um, you know, emphasis on acquiring and keeping talent that some companies' websites, when they just have the leadership and it looks like it's all one group, they're not even like it just, uh, yeah. you know, it's just like a, a bell they're ringing to say, uh, hey, this is who we serve. Right. <laughs> and this yeah. is who the, these are the people important to our organization. And they're not even like a company could just just go in their website and look up leadership. And then you're that's yep. that's a that's a branding opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 the the reality for a lot of these organizations is they're like, okay, here's where we are right now. And our leadership doesn't turn over frequently, and we don't have a lot of opportunity to add new roles into that that leadership mix. So you you definitely see that that is one of the slower areas to I to kind of visually see that there might be more diversity in there. So those organizations often are saying, okay, we will continue to work on becoming more diverse in our workforce and definitely in our leadership when, when the opportunity arises. But what we can do in the meantime is ensure that we are creating the right environment, an inclusive environment that welcomes uh, and values and helps people feel like they belong there, that uh, when, they, when the, when the uh, more diverse folks begin to work in the organization, they're not kind of like, this is a weird place to work because nobody understands me or, or sees value in what I'm doing. So some of those organizations that are less diverse at their leadership level still are doing a lot of work, but it's just not going to be seen for some years because they don't have the opportunity to do that, even though they want to make a difference. Now, isn't this an area where this is where your organization really could help and make a difference? Yeah. Yeah, de- uh, definitely. I mean, we we have a lot of um, resources that we don't have a magic, you know, bullet for anything, right? So, you know, if you, if you were to think about, okay, all of this stuff around diversity, equity, inclusion, you know, we work with folks on that. People are struggling with how do we keep, how do we find people, how do we keep people, you know, are we paying people appropriately? All of the things that you say. What are the biggest challenges right now? for organizations around that people side, those we've got our hands in, in all, all parts of it. it. Does your handbook does this, you know, speak to employees in a particular way that is welcoming and, and uh, you know, sets the tone uh, for what kind of uh, culture there is there and what kind of interactions people are going to have? All of those types of things are so, so important. And, and to pull out just one component of it, is is a challenge and and so when we when we look at the way that we work with our members they're members right this is different than a transactional client you know uh, customer relationship so we are very much wrap around our members and say how do we help you you know uh, kind of in a multi pronged approach get to excellence right and how what is it that you need and you can't do all of it at the same time. And so how do we how do we scale it for your size? And then how do we you know put together a, a timeline for what can be done when so that you can make continuous improvement and progress toward the work that you are uh, wanting to achieve? You know, what are the goals that you're looking for? And so that would cross over any of those uh, dimensions that we had talked about in, in workplaces. 
Now, are you seeing that more and more organizations are looking at HR as a strategic business function rather than like a cost center or kind of a necessary evil that that yeah. that they are getting a seat at the table? Because to me, they're the ones are they're at the heart of the culture of the organization. They're the human component. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that we have a good mix of um, our members who really are saying we're elevating that role to um, something that um, thinks more than just have we filed the right paperwork and you know kept up on time cards and you know so so there there are a lot of folks who are really elevating that role and the responsibilities that go along with elevating that right so there are um a lot more strategic hr thinking people people who understand the business not just the um individuals that are in the organization and in the and the requirements to stay in compliance but I would say that there are, there's challenges, right? And there are there are organizations who are like we'd love to do that, but we we don't have the money to pay somebody to to be a, a more strategic person. We don't have uh, that much work for them to do. We're a very small organization, and so we 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 tap into those HR folks all the time, but they're not necessarily um, the strategic arm of the organization. So I think there is there's a mix, and, and, and you know type of business might have something to do with that size absolutely has to do with that. Um, and so, so it is a mix, but to, to, to answer kind of the bigger, broader question, even outside of our, our specific members, we can look in the community and you can absolutely see that there is not only elevation of these uh, HR professionals to do such great work in their organizations and to have a uh, huge impact, but recognition of that. Right. Like HR people are beginning to be recognized within their organizations as a key component. And as you said, more than just a cost center or a place that people go when they have problems. <laughs> so I would say, generally speaking, I mean, there's certifications uh, that people can get as professionals uh, that really indicate, yeah, you know, I'm, I take this serious and this is this is something I, I want to do and I want to do it in a way that elevates the organization from where it is right now to where, what the vision is. Now, as leading an organization that serves this group, um, what are your kind of maybe tricks or not tricks necessarily, but tactics you use to create that engagement and to create the environment that people want to go to these meetings, they want to participate, they want to be a part of it, and they see kind of a, a bigger why uh, because it sounds like this is one of those associations that people look forward to going to the meetings because they're getting so much out of it, not only education, but also just it, it feels good that you're helping, you know, affect uh, so many people. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that the the our history has uh, and continues to be very strong in relationships. Right. And so we we. You know, we start with phone calls. If we need to reach somebody, we'll start with a phone call, you know, before just just hitting someone with an email or, right? So it, it's very much about we know you, we like you, we value you and the and what you contribute to our community. And so we, we have honest 
uh, relationships and honest uh, and, uh, deep levels of respect for for our members. And, and again, in a way that you know is a member relationship. And so I think people um, recognize that and appreciate that. And so you're right in the sense that that folks are excited to engage with us and to do things with us and trust us, right? I mean, you don't get to a level of trust, um, you know, without, you know, people knowing you, people um, uh, um, interacting with you, uh, uh, watching your, for, for your integrity and, and those types of things. So our ability to really have those very deep relationships with the businesses uh, in our area uh, I think adds to people's excitement, enjoyment, uh, appreciation of the work that we do. So what do you need more of? How can we help you? Yeah, you know, I mean, the, the, because we're a member-based organization, we, you know, members are what help us do what we do. So, I mean, the rates that we, I, I'll, I'll just mention this, the rates that we might do a project for, for someone at are, you know, kind of below market rates. And people sometimes will be like, well, you can't be doing a great job if you're doing that. And we're like, we do, but because we have members who help us make that possible. Uh, so we're not we're not making our money simply by charging a fee for somebody to come to a training or something like that. So members uh, and, and we serve, you know, we serve primarily the West Michigan. There's like 15 counties in West Michigan uh, that are where about 94 percent of our members are. But because we can do work with people, we could write somebody's affirmative action plan, you know, from outside the state or something like that. So we can do work with people who are not necessarily in the state. So we have members who are out of state and, and we still provide them the same opportunities. They can still come through training. They can still have access to the data points that we give. So, so we, we have that as, as a, you know, a desire to continue to strengthen and, and engage with the uh, community here. We're also part, it's just probably worth noting, we're part of a larger association of employer associations and those that that employer association of America uh, represents, you know, many many states throughout the United States. And so, if somebody's listening and they're not in West Michigan, and they're like, "Oh, I think we might have an employer association near us," you know, they probably do. We'd be happy, of course, to work with them and help them. But because we understand culture so well in the communities that we serve. Somebody might say that might be valuable for us to have an organization, another employer association who understands the, the culture of the community that we're in. And so they may choose to go to uh, a more local association near them. But we always value an organization who says, yeah, we, we want to be a part of the employers association and uh, whether whether they're here locally or not. So if you say, how can you help, you know, get the word out. I mean, for a long time probably like many associations, you know, you, you say things, you hear things like, oh, you know, you're the best kept secret, you know, that I have. And I'm like, but we don't want to be a secret, right? We'd like to people to know about us. So, yeah. So if somebody wants to learn more, uh, where should they go, Jason? Yeah, our website is uh, www.teagr, so the Employers Association Grand Rapids, so teagr.org. And on that on the site, there's you know a number of places that you can learn a little bit more. I would say just start in the About Us tab. Uh, the About Us tab gives you you know uh, I- information about what we can do or what we do do, but what we can do for any 
any organization, whether they're a member or not, because we serve non-members because of the uh, dues that we have from our members that helps us subsidize some of those costs and whatnot. Um, but then you also see, you can see on that uh, page, what are the benefits of membership, right? So for example, the roundtables I told you about, that's only open to members. So if you want to engage with us on some things, we can do that whether you're a member or not. Other things, you look at what are the member benefits and you'll find things that uh, are unique to, to joining the association. And then there's a obviously a join now button down in there that can tell you how to calculate your dues and, uh, and then you can get signed up. We'd be happy to help anybody who's interested in that. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story today. You're doing such important work and we appreciate you. Yeah, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm very grateful for the opportunity to, to, to be here to lead this fantastic organization that's been around for so long and uh, really, you know, just always excited to see the opportunities uh, that we have to serve the businesses in this, in this area. And I appreciate the opportunity to, to talk about it. I love talking about our members. All right. This is Lee Cantor. We'll see you all next time on Association Leadership Radio.